Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into the philosophies behind modern-day politics? Then don't miss the newest episode of Meet the Experts, where I talk with the creators of the Giants of Political Thought audio series. Available now wherever you get your Howie Car Show podcasts. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. And thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you're all having a fabulous Friday and you're starting your weekend off with us because that's the best way to kick off your weekend is with the Grace Curley Show. Uh, There's a few things I want to talk about right here. We are going to get back to everybody's favorite love story, and that would be Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. The two lovebirds, I believe, are going to be uh, now in a lot of... They're already in a lot of trouble, but the troubles have somehow multiplied now that we have more information about the cellular data a lot of cellular information yesterday we're talking about the AT&T story which by the way Jared just to just to finish that story off put a pin in it as they say did we ever get an explanation from AT&T I was looking today and I really didn't see one yeah I didn't see much I all I heard was uh they took the blame for it but I don't really know what they took the blame Oh, they didn't pull a Joe Biden and say, like, listen, I take the blame for hiring all these people who messed up. I take the blame for these idiots who don't seem to know how to move boxes from one place to another. That's where I know I'm dealing with a true leader is when someone. Oh, hang on a second. We had something come on not too long ago. Oh. A botched network update, apparently. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound suspicious at all. I stand corrected. This was all just a big mistake. There was nothing strange going on. Uh, But a story that I wanted to talk about here before we get back to Fannie Willis, um, there's a few things. I want to hit Hunter in the next two hours. I want to hit this latest. Oh, we all. I want to hit this latest uh, Russia. A lot of people are calling it Russia 2.0 that the media and the Democrats are pushing. Someone who's pushing it really strong is uh, Dan Goldman. And a friend of mine sent me a message yesterday. And said, if it's a day that ends in Y, Dan Goldman is making an ass of himself. And that really is true. Like, maybe he takes Sundays off occasionally, but most of the time he is delivering every day of the week when it comes to just making a complete fool of himself. And he's obviously seizing on this latest information about the Russia Hunter laptop disinformation. And so is Ken Delanian from NBC. So I am going to play those sound cuts. But I wanted to start this hour off talking about this Trump civil case in New York. Now, these punitive damages are excessive, and really there's no one trying to claim they're not. It's There's no case. In a lot of these situations, the media will try to reference a case in the past. There's no case that even comes close to this. There's no precedent for this kind of money. I think now they're saying it's going to be over $400 million that Trump has to post just to appeal the ruling by Judge Engron. And today, and I obviously was going to mention it because it's in the news and it's, again, it's our poll question. And I wanted to see what people thought about the possibility of another billionaire 
or maybe maybe a team of billionaires like the Avengers getting together and saying, hey, we'll put up 400. And I'm not saying they would do this because they love Trump. I'm not saying Elon Musk or Bill Ackman or any. I know Mark Cuban, for example. I know he does not like Trump at all. I think he's a Trump hater. But at a certain point, you have to see. You have to have a little bit of. What's the word I'm thinking of, Jared? Forethought? A little bit of forethought into how, where is this one going to go? And for example, you know, I was just referencing Mark uh, Cuban from Shark Tank, but Kevin O'Leary has been great on this. He's been on CNN. He's been on Fox explaining this is terrible for New York real estate. This is terrible for investors. This is terrible for businesses in the Empire State. This is not something you want to see. You don't want to be punishing people. You don't want to have these Stalinistic style damages where someone has to sell off their real estate to appeal a ridiculous ruling that most people, most legal scholars don't think is going to stand up in the appellate division. But And here's the part of it that confuses me. And I would love, because we have so many smart callers. We just had Lisa on. We, we, we have a lot of people who know what they're talking about. So if you if you hear me say something and you think, well, I, I, I know a little bit about that, the part of it where I just don't think it's fair, maybe the answer is life's not fair, is that he's required to put up this $400 million, right, to appeal this ruling. And let's say, Jared, he sells Trump Tower in New York, which I don't think he's going to do this, but let's say he sells like three of his most uh, famous buildings in New York. Let's say he sells the ones with Trump all over them. Because he does own some buildings that you wouldn't even know are Trump buildings, but let's say he sells the big ones. To get the $400 million. And he has to sell them, obviously, very rapidly, not get as much money as he might want, um, considering I don't think the real estate market in New York is like at its peak by any means. So he sells them to post this money. And then later, I don't know if it's a month from now, six months from now, a year from now, eventually, this ruling gets corrected. And some judge... In New York, I know this is going to sound like it would never happen, but some judge in New York with a modicum of common sense and an understanding of the Constitution says, this is excessive, this is unnecessary, this has to be corrected. My point is that, sure, they might say to Trump, you get your $400 million back, but he doesn't get his building back. And if he were to have to buy his building back, it would probably be at a higher price. He doesn't get the investment back. That's the part of this where I'm confused. It's like, so you're requiring him to sell off this building. And then what happens when this thing gets overturned? I don't have the answer to that. And I don't think they probably do. I don't get the sense that Letitia James or Judge Engeron has the answer either. Their answer to everything is like, well, we got Trump. We hate him. So, you know, you can't get mad at us. But then today I'm online and I see that of all people, Jeb Bush has written an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal Please clap. defending Donald Trump. Jeb Bush, who, Jared, there's a lot of people who hold grudges against Trump. And Jeb Bush might not be the loudest about it, because he's pretty low energy, but he definitely still hates Trump. Like, I think all the Bushes hate Trump. And it's personal. Like, I don't even think it's politics. At at least it's not all politics for them. A lot of it's just personal. And when you look back, Trump and Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush was like 
he was going to be the guy at one point, which sounds so absurd now. It even sounded kind of crazy to me at the time because I was pretty new to politics. And I was like, really? Jeb Bush? Okay. But he's part of a a political dynasty. His family's a political dynasty. He was next up. He was going to be the guy. And then because of Donald Trump, that all went away. Donald Trump just completely made a joke out of him by calling him low energy. And the funny part of it now when I look back is that compared to the stuff that Trump said about other people later in that race and compared to what he said since that race about people, calling somebody low energy for Trump, that's at at this point in time, I would take it as a compliment. Like if that's the worst he can come up with about you, you shouldn't be that offended because Lord knows if the dude wanted to, he could read you the filth. Like, he could destroy you inside and out. So calling you low energy, it's not that bad in hindsight. But at the time, at the time, we were all like, whoa, he's making fun of him. He's poking fun at Jeb Bush. And Jeb Bush could not handle it. He was not used to that kind of politics. Out of all of the people to come out and say, this is a dangerous precedent for Jeb Bush to do it, you know they've crossed the Rubicon. Like, you know that we've entered a whole different arena. So I want to read you a little bit of this. This is Jeb Bush. He says, every American, and he's also talking about Elon Musk and um, this case in Delaware that Elon Musk is dealing with. Every American has a right to be critical of Mr. Trump's politics. One of us ran against him in 2016 or Mr. Musk's public persona. But equality before the law is precious. And these rulings represent a crisis, not only for the soundness of our courts, but for the business environment that has allowed the U.S. to prosper. That's Jeb flipping Bush. That is Jeb low energy Bush coming out in defense of Donald Trump, which I'm sure, Jared, he's doing with his like nails pressed against his palms. I'm sure it kills him to write that. But he wrote it. And I think it's I think it's um a great thing that he wrote it because you can kind of distinguish between serious and unserious people by the way they handle this stuff. Like, who's able to... I give such credit to people who are able to compartmentalize to a degree and say, listen, I hate this guy. But this is wrong. And you know it's a person who a lot of people don't like who I put in the same category? is Meghan McCain. A lot of people, a lot of conservatives don't like her. But I'll be honest with you, if somebody attacked my family and was as mean to my family as Trump was, and you can say, oh, well, you know, they... McCain, whatever, whatever. I don't care about it. I'm just saying if someone was as mean to my family as Trump was to Megan's family, I would be the same way. I'm the same kind of daughter. I would not, I would, if you were mean to my dad like that, I'd hate you forever. I just would. But she has the ability and she does it on, on, on some occasions where she says, I don't like this guy, but this is wrong. And to be able to do that is harder than you'd think. We're seeing it now. We're seeing these people who used to kind of masquerade themselves as serious people, they're not at all. They've lost their marbles. They cannot make heads or tails of these situations because they they see red, or I guess you could say they see orange. But I'm now going to put Jeb Bush in the category of people who are able to showcase some of their sanity when push comes to shove. And I'm impressed by it. 844-500-4242. I just want to read that again. He says, every American has a right to be critical of Trump's politics, but equality before the law is precious. And these rulings represent a crisis, not only for the soundness of our courts, 
but for the business environment that has allowed the U.S. to prosper. If these rulings stand, the damage could cascade through the economy, creating fear of arbitrary enforcement against entrepreneurs who seek public office or raise their voices as citizens in a way that politicians dislike. That's Jeb Bush. 844-500-4242. When we come back, we got a lot more to get to. We're going to talk about the GOP primary tomorrow in South Carolina. We're going to play some sound. We're going to get back to Russiagate 2.0. It feels like everything old is new again, doesn't it? It's 2016, and they're all pretending it's fresh. They're all pretending we didn't just watch this movie, and all we all gave it a thumbs down, but they're bringing it back for a reboot. The Nossa Beach Inn just opened reservations for winter getaways. Jared, you've stayed at the Nasa Beach Inn. You loved the Nasa Beach Inn. You came back. You wouldn't stop bragging about it. You were like, oh, guys, let me tell you about this great weekend I had. And I, I really can't blame you because it's one of those places that's so peaceful and so beautiful that you go and you just can't believe that more people aren't making their way to Cape Cod in the off season. Yeah, the Cape in winter is great, and the beach down on the Cape is great, and the Nasa Beach Inn is right on the beach. I mean, whatever room you're in, you are steps from the beach. You can have a nice walk on the beach. You can enjoy the beach. You don't have to muscle your way through crowds. You don't have to deal with a bunch of extraneous noise. No, it's fantastic. You just, you kind of almost feel like you have the whole place to yourself and it's just great. Uh, My wife and I, we love sitting at the fire pit and drinking our morning coffee, watching the sunrise. But if, you know, it gets a little too cold or a little too rainy, you can stay cozy in your room as well because every room has a big picture window so you can enjoy those views and it's got a fireplace in the room so you stay warm you stay cozy if you're looking for a break the nasa beach inn is the best place to go and right now you can stay at the nasa beach inn for the best price under 200 dollars this winter you cannot beat that the nasa beach inn is pet friendly it's got a view from every room and it's just a really really wonderful spot so to reserve your ocean view room go to nasabeachin.com that's nasabeachin.com again if you're listening to this and you're going i want to check that out where do i go nasabeachin.com we'll be right back with your calls 844-500-4242 and we'll do the poll question which actually has a lot to do with trump in this case in new york when we come back the grace Curley show will be right back This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone. There's supposed to be a huge illegal alien drop-off in San Diego today. San Diego, is it, Jared, you know... Actually, I'm going to go into this with confidence. I'm going to say it. I'm going to try to say it the best I can. Hakumba Valley. Close. Yakumba. Shoot. I thought, <laughs> I thought. okay, so when it's a J, it's supposed to be a Y. Yes. Yakumba Valley. And I turned it into an H. Got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. very still close. Okay, thank you. Um, Yakumba Valley is the hot spot right now for illegal immigration, which is in San Diego or near San Diego. Um, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of spots in California where the border is very porous, where people are just kind of running through and not being stopped. And there's a large number of what is called class. It's classified as special interest aliens, a.k.a. people coming from countries that aren't our biggest fans and that maybe we should be have a couple of uh, antennas up for. And 
that's an update for you. I don't know what this drop-off looks like per se, but I keep reading Chiron's about it, and it doesn't give me confidence in where we're at as a nation. Keep in mind, Joe Biden keeps saying he might have to use executive action pretty soon. Actually, um, Speaker Johnson had a really great statement about that because, as you pointed out yesterday, Jared, he has been banging the drum on all of these weekend shows, basically saying he doesn't need any sort of special help or money or power. He's got it. He's president. He can do, he can enforce the laws on the border. He can stop this madness if he wants to. He just doesn't want to. Well, it turns out, like two weeks before a State of the Union address and a couple months before an election, Biden suddenly has found the will. He's found, he suddenly cares about what's going on at the border. And it also coincides with the same time where he's sending out emails telling people, good news. I'm canceling your student loan debt. And you know what the two things have in common, Jared? I was reading about it today, and there was a really uh, great article that was breaking down why this cancellation of student loan debt, which people get mad when I say that, and they're right to. They say it's not canceling anything. You know, it's, it's, it's transferring debt to taxpayers. But one of the points in this, and I'll, I'll grab it later. I just, don't, I just know I won't be able to find it in all my stuff here. One of the points in it was... You're incentivizing people to take out massive loans knowing they're not going to have to pay them back. And actually, look at that. I found it. It's from the Free Beacon. Biden's terrible student loan gamble. It says it creates moral hazard. Think about the incentives. Potential borrowers now have every reason to take on more student debt, knowing that one day the federal government will bail them out. Colleges and universities now have every reason to increase tuition and fees, knowing that while students may occupy the dorm rooms, higher ed's true customer is Uncle Sam. And a lot of times when people say, oh, things are so backwards nowadays, or it's like we're living in bizarro world, it's because of this. It's because whether we're talking about people coming in the border, coming through the border illegally, or we're talking about what's going on with student loan debt, we're incentivizing bad behavior. We're incentivizing people doing the wrong thing. And what you do in that situation is on the flip side of that, people who are doing the right thing, people who are doing maybe not the easy thing, like going to work every day or or waiting for their immigration papers and standing in lines and, you know, making sure that they have uh, contacts in the United States that can back them up and a place to live and, and people who are working two jobs to pay off their student loan debt. You're making those people feel like fools. Making people feel foolish. Like, why the hell am I doing this? I'm a big sucker. People don't like to feel like that. Oh, I'm a big sucker. I'm the idiot who's doing everything the right way and getting screwed over time and time again. And that's kind of the name of the game with the Biden administration. Incentivize people that if they come through the border illegally, they'll get free stuff, free phones, free debit cards, Merrick Adams, free places to live, free hotel rooms. And also incentivize young people to take out these massive student loans with degrees they're not going to use and tell them it's all going to be paid for. And by the way, I... I'm a theater major. I would say I use a little bit of it here, and I don't regret majoring in it, but I also don't expect anybody to write off my debt because I majored in something that maybe didn't translate into the workforce the way I thought. Like, you have to make those decisions when you're you're going to school. Don't sign off on things if you're not going to be able to pay it back. 
And if anything, I don't blame I don't blame some people for saying the system is unfair as far as the interest rates go. But let's talk to the schools about the tuition prices. When does it become a little bit of their problem instead of people who have nothing to do with it who are just going to work every day? We'll talk more on the other side. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. All right, so there's something else here that we got to get into before we get back to the fun stuff. And we will get back to the fun stuff. I know we have more cuts to play from Fanny and from Nathan, but I can't be... I always want to do what's fun, but there's also some important news to get to. And there was this woman on Politico, Jared, and she's making waves. Like, this is really going viral on Twitter. Her name is Heidi Prisbilia. Did I butcher that? Uh, I don't know. I've I've heard Prisbilla and I've heard Shabilla. Okay, I, we'll so go I don't Prisbilla. know which one Prisbilla probably. And she was on MSNBC and she was talking about Christian nationalists and this is how she described Christian nationalists. This is what's causing a lot of stir. And I've seen her, by the way. She's on social media. She's fighting back against this. She's saying people aren't showing the full cut. This is not what she meant. Well, that's why I got three cuts from the full cut. And it does not get better. For oh, it Heidi. doesn't. Okay, so the full cut does not exonerate her. No. Okay, so let's play the, the money cut here. This is cut two. And the one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that is that they are determining man, men, Mm -hmm. it is men, are determining what God is telling them. Now, I, <sighs> I'm not a religious expert, Lord knows, and I'm not an expert on the Constitution, unlike Joe Biden. You know, I, I don't try to quote it without having it in front of me. Some people know it more than other people. You know the, you know the thing. And when it comes to the Declaration of Independence, I always let Joe riff on that because he does know the thing. But I I remember there being a line, and so I went to it. I went to the thing, and I said, I'm going to look this up. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Now, of course, the part I'm focusing on in this case is endowed by their creator so i don't think that that's something where is that only something christian nationalists believe because if so i got news for everybody 
I guess I'm a Christian nationalist. And so is Carol Markowitz. And Carol Markowitz put this out today on Twitter. She goes, this is really awkward because I'm a Jew. And it turns out I'm also a Christian nationalist. I just didn't know that this was exclusive to Christian nationalists. Go ahead, Jared. You, you have many thoughts on this. Well, I, I, I just, I can't. It's, it's beyond stupid at this point. That comment is beyond stupid. None of them get better. It's like it's as somebody pointed out. It's a failure of civics. It's a failure of intelligence. It's a failure of history. It's a failure of the education system. It's just all around failure of everything on her part. You like, know, this it's... might be one of the worst overall things ever said. Not just in its offensiveness to non-nationalist Christians, whatever that means. Uh, just in in terms of its inaccuracies, I mean, this was stupidity at its finest. Well, you actually just gave me a really nice segue to move on, but to also stay on the same theme. Did you see the recent cut of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? Because I feel like we're the bracket. This is a lateral move here. We're not we're not getting into other. We're staying with the complete stupidity of today, and. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does this town hall and lately she's been getting heckled quite a bit and she's at this town hall and she's heckled by this man who says you represent illegal aliens and uh, I think it's safe to say that there's a frustration in a lot of these cities including New York City including Chicago how you played a lot of great cuts from Chicago yesterday including Boston including Especially, um, we've covered a lot of what's happening at the Melnia Cass Recreational Center. But in a lot of these big cities, people in Democrat-run cities, that's kind of a key part of this. That's a common theme. People are getting fed up that, as American taxpayers, they're being put last. And they're being asked to clear out and make space and pay up for illegal aliens. And so this man says, you represent illegal aliens. And this is the response from AOC. This is cut four. In 2020, the CARES Act passed, and in 2021, we started to see a lot of different uh, uh, pieces of introductions. You only represent the illegal aliens in the Well, clearly I don't because I'm an elected member of Congress, so keep it pushing, bruh. Keep it pushing, bruh? Bruh. Here's, me and Jared are so exasperated today, we're like... Okay, what do we do here? Here's my issue with this. I would love to see just a moment because I understand that AOC goes viral a lot. She gets a ton of support from the online community. They think she's a star. They think she claps back. They say, yes, queen. She kills it. She's always shoving it in people's faces. But at a certain point, if you're a politician, uh, elected official, don't you have to at least pretend to care about people? Like, even if you don't agree, this is this is where I'm really having difficulty. It's like her ego is so big that because that man is speaking out against her. And yeah, maybe he's not doing it in like the politest way, but he's frustrated and he doesn't think that she's representing him. And she does. He doesn't think that she's working for him. And she's doing a good job. And her response is, but clearly, clearly that's not true. Keep it pushing, bro. It's so dismissive and arrogant. And it's like, where's the humility to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I, I get it. I get the instinct. But I think, I, and maybe I'm just, I don't mean to toot my own horn here. But it's Friday, I will. I 
of people on the radio who disagree with me all the time and I try my best. I don't always do it. I'll admit that. But I try my best to hear people out to a degree. Like if you're really angry, I understand the knee-jerk reaction to go, well, and make it like a reality TV show where you're just yelling back at them. But you're an elected official. You're not a radio host. You have to have a little bit more decorum. You have to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. And some people do this. Some people do handle this better than others. But this isn't a guy. This is a guy who's saying, I feel ignored. I feel passed over. I I feel like I've been forgotten. And for her response to be, keep it pushing, bro. Like he's some frat bro on the beach who's bothering her. I find that to be incredibly rude. It's the sense of, it's just immaturity. Like immaturity is really what it is. I mean, she is just an immature individual across all fronts. The the way she, she carries herself, the way she acts to her constituents, the way she does everything. It's just this, this immaturity about her. And it gets even worse when it's, you know, I mean, he, yeah, okay. Maybe, like you said, it wasn't the best of ideas to just scream it. But when you don't feel like you're being heard, what what else can you do? And also, Jared, I think a huge part of this is that immaturity and that kind of smug behavior from our politicians is so celebrated right now. You become even bigger and even more famous. She got comic books made of her because of it. Yeah, because she slaps people down on Twitter. It's like, what good is it doing those people? What good is it doing her constituents? Do they think their lives have been better since they elected Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? If so, show me the receipts, please. I would love to know how your lives have improved. Um, another huge story today involves the Russia, Russia, Russia of it all. I want to read you a little bit here from Breitbart. It's talking about a, a cut from, again, Morning Joe, but bear with us. And it's Ken Delanian. And he argued that all of the people that signed on to that Hunter Biden laptop letter, remember the letter from 51 former intelligence agents where they were telling us that the Russian, the Hunter Biden laptop had all of the earmarks of Russian disinformation. And then when it came out that it was all accurate, their excuse was, well, we didn't say it was Russian disinformation. We said it had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation, which I would liken to when you're a kid and you're bothering your sibling and you have your finger like an inch away from their face and you go, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. It's like technically, no, but you're bothering them enough. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not hitting you and you have your hand like right next to their nose. That is what our intelligence agents are up to they're going well yeah it turned out the laptop was accurate and that that letter that we gave out just so that joe biden could use it on the debate stage was incredibly misleading and lying to the american people but technically speaking we didn't say word for word that it was russian disinformation well now ken delanian and one of the biggest backflips i've seen in a while he's trying to claim that that letter has been like vindicated or proven correct by the indictment of Alexander Smirnov because, and this is his quote, we know now that Russian intelligence, at least according to the statements of this informant, bolstered somewhat by his indictment, were feeding him information, false information. Now, we've gotten so many different explanations of this Alexander Smirnov character. 
And the story on him has changed so many times, it's hard to know what to believe. But before I I read you a little bit about this, I want to play Ken Delanian's explanation and what a lot of people are rightfully calling Russia hoax 2.0. Can I get cut six, please? So, Willie, those 51 uh, former intelligence officials, they paid a steep price for signing that letter. The House Republicans conducted an investigation. They brought some of them in to testify under oath. The Republicans said this was election interference. This was a bogus attempt to suppress a legitimate story. And as it turns out, they were right. Not in the sense they said that the laptop was part of a Russian information operation or had all the hallmarks of a Russian information operation. They didn't say that the contents of the laptop were made up. And obviously we know that they weren't. Many of them have been now corroborated. What they said was they were suspicious about why that story was emerging in the middle of an election campaign and whether Russian intelligence was flogging it or was somehow uh, amplifying it. And now they've been proven correct in the sense that we now know that Russian intelligence, at least according to the, uh, the statements of this informant, bolstered somewhat by this indictment, were feeding him information, false information. I am without speech on this one. I'll find it in a second. Just give me a beat here. Got it. Okay. So I'm to believe that if it weren't for like Alexander Smirnov and Russian disinformation and and pushing him to feed Russian disinformation, they don't think that anyone would find this very accurate, very real laptop of interest in the United States before an election if it wasn't for Russia whispering in people's ears. Well, maybe if we had a... Yeah, and that could be true, I guess. But if we had a media like NBC and MSNBC and CNN that had any curiosity or interest in reporting the truth, I would think that the son of someone running for president who had a laptop, a treasure trove full of corruption and pornography and just disgusting things, I would think the media would want to know that and report that to the American people, regardless of whether Alexander Smirnov or Russians or anyone were telling them to. Is that a fair assessment? It's like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's a real laptop, but... Well, the, the letter technically was right because, yeah, well, the laptop was accurate, but it turns out that the Russians were the ones who wanted the laptop. Wait, wait, wait. Was the, let's just get, let's just get down to brass tacks here, Ken. Was the laptop real or not? Because last time I checked, you guys didn't start admitting the laptop was accurate and real and not Russian disinformation till like two weeks ago. It's been two weeks since you guys have swallowed this latest pill of reality. And now you're already turning around on it and saying, <laughs> and by the way, there's a great thread here. So like I said, I mentioned Dan Goldman for good reason. Dan Goldman, congressman from New York, tweets out and he always, he always thinks he's doing something. He, he wants to be Adam Schiff, which is such a sad thing when you really think about it. But hey, I'm not here to, I'm not here to tell people what their dreams and goals should be. Okay. He tweets out, DOJ must investigate whether and when. Because they all think this Alexander Smirnoff thing is like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, oh, the investigation has to be shut down. This witness can't be trusted. we got to shut down this investigation. He goes, DOJ must investigate whether and when Grassley, Comer, or Jordan knew that Smirnoff was spreading Russian disinformation. But now that it's public, Comer and Jordan clearly will be conspiring with Putin to interfere in the election if they continue with this bogus impeachment, according to the brainiac that is Dan Goldman. The House Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, puts out a tweet, and they just decimate, they just destroy this. They go, we can clear this up for you. Number one, 
we never knew the informant's name. Number two, we never talked to the informant. Number three, the FBI never gave us his name and redacted the FD-1023 because they said he was so important to an ongoing investigation. Number four, the FBI told the committee, including Democrats, the informant was highly credible. No one is falling for this Russia hoax 2.0 you're peddling. And then they added in, which I really appreciate, four clown faces. Because, yeah, that sums it up. That sums up Dan Goldman in a tweet. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls on this. Don't go anywhere. Recently, a Grace Curley show listener, Candace, called into the show. She was telling us how much she loved the thunderstorm. And Jared, we hear this a lot, not just from Candace, but we hear this a lot from family members, from people who we know in real life who've used this product and say, you know, I was a little skeptical at first, but wow, it really does get rid of odors. And I know for me, it works in my kitchen. That's where I keep it. That's like kind of the the primary spot. But the best part about the three pack is there's so many places you might not even realize that you could use the thunderstorm. Yeah, I like to keep one in my car because each unit, because that's a small unit. It's not like one of these big bulky machines with tons of wires. It's basically the size of a computer charger. So each unit comes with its own USB cable. You plug into the unit and you plug that into your USB port in your car and you get that ionized air in your car. It's great for any car smells, whether it's oil, fast food, <clears throat> nobody in, in particular. Or, uh, you know, if it's for allergies, if you have allergies, you want to have the windows down, you can get that fresh air, get the allergens out because it eliminates it. It doesn't just cover up odors. It actually eliminates and purifies the air. That's why they call it the air purifier. And with the three-pack special, you can use one in your kitchen, your office, even your car. So go to EdenPureDeals.com and use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE and the number three. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. This is The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The Omaha Steaks semi-annual sale is here. You can get 50% off site-wide and save on mouth-watering favorites today. Visit omahasteaks.com slash grace and get eight free Omaha Steak burgers with select packages when you shop this semi-annual sale. It's Omaha Steaks dot com slash grace jared diglio is on the board jared what is the poll question and what are the results thus far today's poll question which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com is how do you think the trump payment to new york will play out he'll sell property in new york to pay he'll pay without selling new york property a generous donor will pay for him or he won't pay anything i'm gonna say a generous donor that because that's what i hope will happen I've been very impressed lately with the billionaires. I know you're not supposed <laughs> to say that. I know you're supposed to hate them, especially well, if you're in the my billionaires and it, the millionaires and the quadrillionaires. Well, yeah, you're supposed to if you're not a millionaire, you're supposed to hate the millionaires. But then once you become a millionaire, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders, then you have to start hating the billionaires and the trillionaires. And once he becomes a billionaire, then it goes trillionaires and whatever's after that. So, yeah, for right now, um, I'm going to say I hope it's the billionaires because I have faith right now. I think some of the billionaires aren't bad. I know, I know, I know I'm supposed to hate them, but I don't. 10% say a generous donor. In the lead at 56%, people think he won't pay anything. 22% say he'll pay without selling his New York property. 12% think he will sell property in order to pay. 
There's another story about Fannie Willis that's not getting enough attention. And it makes sense why, because this Fannie Willis-Nathan Wade timeline is more interesting. But it involves some taxpayer-funded cars. We're going to get to that after Emma Foley with Last Call. Don't go anywhere. 